I'm Jody Nisnik, and you're listening to So Much More. In John 16, 12, Jesus stated, there is so much more I want to tell you. He then pointed to the spirit as the one who would come, who would further his teaching by bringing his word to life for us. So much more creates space for God to reveal his truth through his word. Today, I'm excited to have Reverend Jonna Fonts with me as we have a conversation around Deuteronomy 6 and what the Lord is teaching her. Jonna is a pastor, a poet, and a perpetual student, and she has served as a spiritual director and adult discipleship pastor in Minnesota for over 20 years. And she brings great passion to her writing, her teaching, and her preaching as she encourages people to experience God through his word, which I am all about. And I am so delighted to have you on the podcast today, Jonna. Oh, it's so exciting to be here, Jody. Thank you for this invitation and thank you for your work through this podcast. Well, thank you. I gave a just a brief high-level introduction. Why don't you tell us a little bit more about who you are? Well, I um I'm mostly a Minnesotan. And so um in fact, where I grew up, if you have ever heard any of the Garrison Keeler dialogues about Lake Wobegon. I essentially grew up there. Um, I uh, met the Lord at a very early age in a Baptist uh, congregation and just have walked a long journey with him. I'm an intensely passionate person, uh, which has its gifts and its weaknesses. But um, the Lord has really channeled my passion into Mm. um, just the power that his word can have in lives, even in people who don't necessarily know him yet. Uh, His word can just break open new ground, create new understanding. Every time we open the word. It's this sacred, holy place where you have no idea what God could do here. So super excited to be in his word with you. Oh my gosh. I love that you just said that. (laughs) Um, It is sacred, holy space because it's a living and active word of our living and active God. And oh yeah, that just delights my soul the way you've said that. So Well, let's dive into the passage, and I want to read it for us as a reminder. I did go into some context in the meditation podcast, so I'm not going to do that right now, um, but I'm sure some context will come up as we're talking as well. So this is Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 through 9. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, and when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands, and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses, and on your gates. Okay, so we did this meditation using the Lectio Divina process. 
asking the Lord to help us notice a word, phrase, or something in the passage. So let's start there. Jonna, where did the Lord lead you in this passage? Well, it was really interesting uh, because it's an intensely familiar passage. You know, as you've described, it's called the Shema. It's this prayer that is said daily by the Jewish people. In fact, our Lord Jesus probably said this prayer every day. Um, and so to me, it was just like, oh, it's the Shema. That's where we're at. And I know a whole bunch of stuff about that. And sometimes that kind of familiarity can be um, a block. You know, you mm-hmm. can you cannot listen because it's so familiar. Oh, I've done this one. I've, you know, that kind of a thing. And so I actually had to take a deep breath after that first reading and to kind of say, okay, Lord, why this passage? What is mm-hmm. it about this passage that you're wanting me to encounter afresh? And it's really interesting because the word that immediately came to my mind was the word orientation. So here's what I was thinking as I I was like, oh, orientation. It Mm, this mm. is a time in Israel's life where it's needing to get oriented because it's on the edge of tremendous disorientation. It is leaving the nomadic life and entering into the promised land. There's going to be a brand new leader. Um, There's going to be uh, new laws, in fact, Deuteronomy rolls out some fresh laws that are going to make sense in a more settled land. Um, there's going to be war for a while, and war is disorienting and unsettling, costly and dark. And um, when, as Israel settles into this new land, it is no longer going to see the tabernacle. As they mm. have traveled for all these years, the tabernacle has been in the very center. If you wanted to step out of your tent, you could walk a few feet and you could see the cloud. You could see that. I mean, you knew there is That's God right. in our center. And now all of that orientation is gone. And I feel like what's happening here in Deuteronomy is... Moses is really striving through these speeches to the people to orient them afresh Mm. for this new season for them. And I just had to say, I'm in a season of disorientation. Um, And many, I think many in our nation are. It feels like COVID just keeps producing fresh chaos. Uh, Serious illness has come into my own family's life, as well as I know many people. A job loss has become a part of my family's story. Um, There's actually been a lot of extra work being required of in my marriage. I'm at that seven-year Mark. And we are, my husband and I are doing some counseling and some reading and just feeling this need to move deeper, to move beyond some old patterns. And all this in the midst of a struggling economy and um, a polarization in the political world. And so it just feels like, oh my goodness, this is a disorienting time for me as well. Mm. So what is it that God might be saying to me in the middle of this? And and it was really verse five, as you read mm. it again, it just leaps out to me. This love the Lord, your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength. So 
as we talk about heart, heart for the Israelites was not a concept like us. Like we think of like, I love mm-hmm. you. You know, when we see the heart, <laughs> it's our emotions. It's, but the heart was actually uh, the seat of the intellect, the seat of the will. It was this and the seat of the emotions. So it's this really profound concept for them. And that that my will, my intellect and my emotions are all meant to love God. Um, mm. My soul my identity. I mean, the soul would have been the life force for the Israelite people. We might call it identity now, who I am that drives me, particularly in modern America, our identities are everything to us. Mm -hmm. And then finally, that strength is sort of everything that gives you power. So it's your physical body vitality, it's your giftings and your talents, it's even your financial resources, it's anything that gives you power in this world. And we're supposed to gather up all of that, this total picture of who we are, and we are to love God with all of that. And I just felt that stirring like, oh, here Mm -hmm. I am in the midst of disorientation, we come back to all of me gathering myself to love God. Gosh, that is beautiful. I love that you started with acknowledging this is a very familiar passage <laughs> and asking the Lord, so what do you have for me today in it? I think as you were talking, I was thinking about kind of that centrifugal pull, you know, when we get spun around and like, you know, I'm thinking of the the paint, you put it on the little spinner and it just like splatters oh, everywhere yes. out. And that is is kind of what it feels like mm-hmm. the world wants to do to us. It wants to pull us apart in so many ways. And what you're describing is this kind of re-pulling in, yeah. like the, 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 the center is really God mm-hmm. and refocusing ourselves all 100%, everything we have back onto him. And that's where we find that wholeness yeah, and that reorientation. I love that. I love that picture. It's almost this gravitational, okay, we've got to come back to what this center is, um, that it really is love. And I don't mean romantic love, like we use that word romantically, but in this passage, this love is about loyalty It's about faithfulness. It's about commitment. In fact, this word love would have been used in treaties and in covenants. Um, We wouldn't ever do that. We would never set up a treaty right now with Great Britain where we'd say, Great Britain (laughs) will love America and America will love Great Britain. Like we just wouldn't, right? But they did. They saw Mm -hmm. love as this fundamental orientation of committed, faithful loyalty and that sense of wanting goodness for the person I'm covenanting or entering into treaty uh, with. And that's really this all-encompassing picture that got, because certainly when we're in seasons of disorientation, those emotions are all over the place. Like you said, it's that paint splatter, right? Uh, At any given moment, you could move from elation to despair to anger to, right? You can can fly all over the place with that. But love becomes this gravitational pull that pulls us back to, what Mm. am I committed to? Who is God? Um, What is it that I want to be faithful to and loyal to in the midst of what can be this 
spinning out of control world or circumstances. Yeah. And I think that's one of the reasons why it's so important that we create space for God in our lives Mm. all the time. Amen. It, you know, because we have to reorient ourselves. That's right. Um, We have to be intentional about it. It's not something that just naturally happens. What naturally happens is we fall apart. And I think what God wants to do is bring us back together and help us remind our soul, remind our heart, remind the strength that we have. Where does that come from? It is from him. So, okay. I would, I want to know you've already gone into a little bit of how this applies to your life, but Mm -hmm. tell me that next step you took with the Lord in this passage. Yeah. So, um, as I, you know, as I continue to, to reflect on, okay, so this orientation of love and this, and it is loving God for who he is, you know, God is one or God is Lord. We don't know quite how to translate that. Different mm-hmm. translations yep. will do that. God is one or God is Lord. He's sovereign. And I love the ambiguity because I think it's meant to be all of that, you know? So I come back to who God is. Um, in the midst of my chaos. And that has to trump circumstances. That has to trump desires. That has to trump dreams I have. That has to trump for even expectations of what my marriage or my job or my kids or whatever's going on in my life. This who God is, that he is one, he is God, he is that orienting beginning of existence. And he is Lord. He is somehow sovereign in the midst of my disorientation. I don't right. root myself in me. I root myself in him. Yeah. So that was really powerful um, to just sort of like, okay, that's right. Let's get back to who God is. And then really at the end of the passage, what follows is a list of all these heart places for us, right? Our mm. children, our conversation with our friends and people that we're interested in, our homes, our travels, our rest, what gets you up in the morning? Another, what is your calling? What is your, um, um, your vocation? Um, your property, even we're supposed to have like these laws written on our doorposts and our civic life. Those gates are probably city gates where the whole civic, civil, political life of the city was lived, you know. So there are meant to be, there's this orientation toward God. And then that we're talking about that. We're remembering. You use the word remind. And remember is this huge word in Deuteronomy. Mm-hmm, it it's is. the difference between flourishing and failing, you know, oh, regardless mm-hmm. of the circumstances. And so we are meant to, in all of these spaces where we're walking and living and speaking, all the places that are most important to us, we are meant to be back to this orientation, back to this love of who God is. So I just sort of felt this like, oh, this is such a sweet, no wonder this became the daily prayer for yeah. uh, for faithful practicing Jews. No wonder they were every morning orienting themselves toward God and remembering that everywhere they were going to walk today, everything that they were doing, they were meant to talk and focus and um, live their lives in a total rhythm, uh, unity with God. So for me, really powerful uh, just to feel that sweep. In fact, I sort of looked at Jesus and was like, you prayed Mm. this prayer. I can't, like, how did that orient you? It'd be so interesting to walk through the Gospels and think, how did the Shema 
touch Jesus that day? How did the Shema lead him when he was healing people or teaching or being persecuted or on the cross? You know, he probably woke that morning in his prison and spoke the Shema as his orientation Mm -hmm. as he was going to walk through that day. So it just became to me this really powerful, sweeping picture of um, this gift that Moses is giving to the people of Israel and then all the way out to us. I think at a really personal level, the two words that emerged for me, you know, and some of Lectio Divina is to listen for those words that really shine. And it was the words hear and love. Mm. And I have to say, when I'm in times of disorientation, I can be driven by my own fear and my own insecurity. And what tends to happen is I can't hear very well, and I certainly don't love very well. So those two words felt like this counteraction to my own responses when I'm fearful and insecure that God leads me to to be open, to hear, to hear his word, to be listening to my life, even the scary circumstances, even the scary voices, listening for what God is saying, what he is doing. So to keep, to not close down, to not hunker down, to not armor up or shields up, you know, but instead to keep this open posture, realizing God is speaking. And he's here and his voice has power. And then that orientation of love that I really want to stay loyal. I really want to want the best for those around me, even when I feel like, like, you know, the, the job loss thing. There are plenty of people to blame and be mad at. Um, but instead, I want my orientation. I keep being called back to this orientation of love and loyalty and faithfulness, first to God, and then to all the people that God brings me in an encounter with. So that just made me think, um, again, as I'm thinking about this, how do I reorient, especially on mornings where I wake up and I'm a little sideways and I'm a little scared. I need to listen more. I need to remember who God is. And I might need to recite out loud who God is. I might might write one of my orienting scriptures right now is Psalm 23, that he really Mm. is a good shepherd and he really does give me what I need and what I want. And so I might need to recite that out loud. I want to do less complaining and I want to run less of those if only scenarios Uh that I'm so good at. I can spend... 15 minutes in bed before I move, running if only scenarios. Yeah. And I want to shut those down because they just, they, they take me, they take me into the past. They make me live in places where there's no life. So it was just a really lovely movement to hear those words here and love. And then to realize, gosh, there's just really practical implications for those. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, as you're talking, I was thinking, I mean, we can hear a lot of things and mm-hmm. we can choose to listen to a lot of voices. Mm-hmm. Um, those if only scenarios. Yeah. Um, a lot of times I think that's, that's the enemy's temptation mm-hmm. to go back and, yeah. and try to live in the past and to make the future different. And that's not, that's us trying to be God, right? Mm-hmm. That's the original temptation of the garden. Mm-hmm. You will be like God. Mm-hmm. And, 
we are not. And so right. we have to then shut those voices down. That's right. Reorient ourselves to what is, what is true, even the hard things. And how do we move forward in love? Gosh, that is so beautiful, Jonna. And I feel as you're saying that encouraged, but I also feel the reality of how hard that is when we are moving through difficult, trying circumstances and how much it makes us feel like, Lord, when are you going to come and fix all of this? Because this is really hard and I don't want to keep having to make these choices. I just want the choices to be easier Right. And they aren't. That's life. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is, this is us living in a sinful, broken world. That's right. That's right. That's exactly right. That's a great, I I love what you were saying, Jody, just about that discerning voices, that there are lots of voices to discern. And when, and the call here is to hear, oh, Israel, the Lord, your God, right? Like it's those voices that orient us back to him is what our ears are to be tuned to and perked to. And then for us, as other voices are going to come, we submit all those voices to God. We say, uh, you know what? God is the one that gets to speak into this. Not like you said, the draining off. I just think I can run these if only scenarios and it just is exhausting. Um, and that energy is really meant to go somewhere else, you know? Yeah, that's a hundred percent agree with you. <laughs> and I, I keep thinking the other thing that is interesting in this passage is here, we are commanded to hear the Lord and then we are commanded to speak as we impress these things yes. on those who are coming behind us. And that's where we as a community have to support each other as brothers and sisters in these hard times. Yes, we have to weigh those words against scripture and just even sitting with the Lord and asking him, what do you want me to pay attention to here or or let go of? And yet I do think as the community, this passage also calls us to come alongside and help each other love God with heart, soul, and strength. Because one of those strengths is our community. It is the people we're connected to. And like you said, there's a forming of our children that is critical in this, that we're sharing our life. We're sharing who God is and what he's doing. So this very podcast is a, a, a description as each person sits with you, Jody, and says, here's what I heard God say. They're literally impressing this on believers, yes. but also those would be stories that you could be telling your kids or, yeah. or your friends or your colleagues or whoever, you know, yeah. you're encountering. You're right. There is a take in and then be aware of speaking out as well what yeah. you really are experiencing. We aren't meant to have this private faith that's totally encapsulated and not shared. It, it wouldn't be complete. We couldn't say the Shema if mm. we stopped at just here, right? That's right. That's right. That's so good. Is there anything else before we move on? Is there anything else about this passage that either surprised you or that you just want to share with us? I think that, um, I think that in, in some ways, the way that the passage ends, that we're writing things down was really interesting to me, partly in that this would have been an oral culture. So to actually write something down would have taken finding an educated person 
to do that. It probably would have cost something. Paper wasn't like made in a giant plant. It was really <laughs> rare and difficult to get a hold of. And that we're meant to have these written. I mean, it's an investment. So I don't know how we translate that exactly, but that these are worth this incredible investment. Mm-hmm. Um, they're worth us doing podcasts and television shows and writing books and taking time to journal, anything that takes that extra effort. So it's not just a flow through, pretty easy, done, but this is actually meant to be an investment for us and that we're supposed to have those investments both in our houses. So our more private spaces, our more intimate spaces, our closest to friends and family, but at our gates. That's mm-hmm. our that's our civic life. That's our public life. That's out in the city and that's in the town and that's on the committees we serve in and the hobbies we do and all of that out there in that public life to be significantly investing in the communication of what God is saying to us and how God is moving in our lives. It just really, um, it's that write them that made me go, this was not a literate society mm-hmm. necessarily and would have taken an incredible amount of effort yeah. to do. So it just touched me again, like this is really worth, the Shema is calling us to this deep investment in the communication of the gospel. You oh, know? Gosh, that's really encouraging. I'm glad that you shared that. I would love to talk a little bit more about your calling, mm-hmm. um, you you have made that deep investment, um, mm. and and the Lord has invited you to do that in so many different ways. One of the things that intrigues me about your calling is being a spiritual director, and I would love to hear a little bit more about exactly what is spiritual direction. Mm. Yeah, spiritual direction is, um, it's been one of the most transformative practices I've ever done. So I have a spiritual director, and then I'm in a privileged place to be trained and ready to walk with others in that way. So I do want to say it's a spiritual discipline. So you can think of it just alongside of things like Bible study and prayer and retreats and other ways, maybe uh, worship, things that you do that really strengthen and encourage your spiritual life. Spiritual direction is like that too. It's a it's a usually a monthly meeting, um, or but periodic, a regular periodic meeting with someone who is there to listen to companion with you in your spiritual life. I feel like as a spiritual director, what I get to do over and over is I get to pull up a chair, a front row seat to someone else's life. Mm -hmm. And as they're sharing what's going on for them, what they're learning, I get to ask questions about prayer, what they're hearing from God. When I notice connections in their life to God, um, I can point those out. I can say, oh, do you notice? I'm hearing this and this and this. So I'm someone who's there to listen with them, with this ear tuned to them and this ear tuned to God to really help bolster, strengthen, clarify, guide um, their spiritual life in kind of this very intimate, personal, one-on-one way. And that's that's... what my, 
Oh, it's amazing. And my spiritual director does it for me so faithfully. Mm -hmm. I can't imagine being a pastor now without my spiritual director. So that's a beautiful picture of having somebody listen with you to the direction and the guidance of the spirit. And I think that is one of the, even going back to something we talked about a little bit earlier, you had mentioned the practice of paying attention to things. And I think a lot of times we just blaze through life right? and we don't evaluate what has happened. Where may the Lord be leading? How do I handle that circumstance or that feeling or that question? And this spiritual discipline of meeting with a spiritual director helps you slow down and pay attention. It really does. It really is. It's a, it's an hour set aside And like I said, monthly tends to be this rhythm where I get to reflect on what's been happening, what's going on, what's surfacing in my heart with this other person who's insightful and trained and a little bit distance from my life. They could life, they could see things that I can't see. They notice things that I might not be noticing. One of my favorite lines when I finish a session with a directee is they said, you know, I came in here and I just had no idea what we were going to talk about. I cannot believe what God is up to in my life. You know, (laughs) I'm like, oh, amen. You know, there's the work of the Holy Spirit. And what this session is all about is awakening that wonder and awe that God is at work in your life. And then the wisdom to align yourself with that work so that you're moving with God, you know? So good. Yes. Paying attention (laughs) to what God is doing and pointing it out to each other. I mean, that also goes back to the Shema and what we've just been talking about. So, okay. If somebody wants to find a spiritual director, how do they go about doing that? So there are lots of sources and contacts for that. I would start with your church, talk with your, you know, um, spiritual direction is this growing practice out there, especially as there's been sort of this, what I would call the contemplative renewal that Lectio Divina is a part of these practices that are very ancient, that often call us to be quieter and pay attention and sometimes look more inward. This renewal is going on. So just so you know, probably your pastors, many of them may have spiritual directors, or they'll know of places to go to get those resources. I'm a pastor in the Evangelical Covenant Church, and we actually have spiritual director training in our denomination, and we have entire links and websites and things like that. So if you were just like kind of lost and maybe your pastor's like, I don't actually know that much about that, and they don't have a recommendation, I might invite you to go to our national website for the Evangelical Covenant Church, and they will have a link for spiritual direction. And there are spiritual directors all over the country, wherever you are, there's a spiritual director near you, or you can actually do online direction. Mm -hmm. So that's that suddenly this whole online revolution has made it possible to get direction no matter where you are. Well, I will, I'll put that link in our show notes so that people can find it easily if they are looking. I love your idea of, yeah, talk to your pastor and see what they recommend. Um, So Jonna, this has just been such a great conversation and I'm guessing that people will want to hear more from you. So is there a way to find you if we want to know more or to just reach out to you? 
Yeah, well, for sure. Why don't you just contact me at my email address? I would love to engage in conversation and answer any questions that you might have. So just it's my name, Jonna Fonts, and maybe we can stick this in yep, the post. I'll put notes it in the too. notes. Yep. Yeah, yep, at hotmail.com. And I would love to have any kind of interactions with people that can encourage them and strengthen them. So Well, that's awesome. Thank you for being so accessible for everybody. Yeah. So well, this has just been delightful. Thank you for being on the podcast today. Oh, Jody, thank you so much again for your work in this. And thank you for the invitation. What a privilege to be with you. Mm, privilege is all ours. <laughs> and as always, friends, I want to thank you for joining us today on So Much More because we really do believe Jesus has so much more to say to us. And this is one way that we are creating space to listen. Do you ever hear sayings make their way through the culture and the church that seem nice in theory, but are actually theologically problematic? My name is Shara Donahue, and I'm the host of The Bible Never Said That, a podcast where we examine these popular sayings under the lens of biblical truth. We cover sayings like, God won't give you more than you can handle, time heals all wounds, and follow your heart. We also spend time exploring how people use Bible verses out of context. If you want to grow in discernment and truth, join us and subscribe at lifeaudio.com.